when you bring your need to me, again, my whole system relaxes because I'm valued and needed in your world. What would be an example of that? Well, for example, saying something like, hey, I'm really struggling here with X, Y, or Z. I need your help with whatever, versus going into this default mode of you know, running around and trying to take care of everyone else's needs. And then I don't feel like I have as much of a role or as much value in the partnership because you're not coming to me with that need. You're trying to meet it yourself in a particular way. It's so helpful to hear that. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that. And I know it's not the first time, but to hear it here in a different way, in a different context is helping me understand that opportunity. Welcome to The Art of We, the podcast where we explore how committed partnerships can be potent vehicles for fully delivering our gifts to the world. Hi, I'm Krista Vanderveer, a seasoned consultant and executive coach. And I'm Dr. Will Vanderveer, a leader and educator in integrative mental health and wellness. As husband and wife and business partners, we keep learning that the key to maximizing our authenticity and impact in the world lies inside the health, security, and depth of our relationship. On this show, we'll pull back the curtains to share lessons, insights, and practices from our own marriage and professional careers that help us thrive. If you're a leader, founder, or overachiever, and you want to leverage your relationships for personal and collective growth, then you're in the right place. Welcome back to the Art of We podcast, episode 29. Today, we're going to talk about challenges that arise when the situation you're in is trying to accommodate a new, big, fat, furry need. (laughs) And uh, before we get started, we would love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your comments. We would be very appreciative if you would leave us a review on your favorite platform, Apple Music, Spotify, wherever you like to hear this show be really helpful to us. Helps people find our show. And we'd love to hear your feedback about what you're liking, what you might want us to touch on, and any other feedback of what you're not liking. We're up for all of it. So we would love to know what's happening for you in relationship to our podcast. Thank you. So let's uh, set the context here of what we're going to talk about today. So big fat furry need. In our situation, we added a big fat furry need. Well, she's actually pretty small. She's only three pounds. She's not very fat yet. But what we're talking about is when we're bringing something else into our system that has a lot of need. So this could be many different things. And we're just using our little three pound furry example, but this could be taking care of parents as they age. Some big needs start to come in. It could be when a family member gets sick and they have some big needs. It could be any kind of big undertaking, whether it's a new endeavor or job or house remodel or writing a book. It could be if you choose to bring a new child into the house. It's almost like juggling 10 balls and you're kind of in your system and it's going well and then you decide to throw another ball in there and the 11th ball is like throwing everything off the system, but you're choosing that 11th ball in some form. And you need to figure out how to get the whole system to work. Does that sound about accurate? Yes. And I guess the spoiler alert here is that if you think putting an 11th ball in your 10 ball system is going to happen without upsetting the apple cart. And what we're going to get into today is upsetting the balance in the connectivity between 
you and your partner, you're in for a nasty surprise. And so what we're going to be talking about is really more acknowledging the inevitable crunchiness and challenge of that and what we can do about it. So we're going to use our example of Coco Chanel to help illustrate our 11th ball situation. And we understand that in everybody's circumstances, it's going to be a different situation and you're going to be navigating different things. But as you just said, well, it's really about how do we keep the we of us on track, aligned, connected, and not at the effect of the 11th ball, which I think historically, before I met you, inside of a relationship, whether it was a family system, a work system, an uh, intimate relationship system, I really never had the experience of explicitly talking about the impacts of throwing what we're calling the 11th ball into the system. We might be like, okay, yeah, we're expecting it to be hard or expecting some bumpy transition. But inside of that, we're not actually looking at the deeper impacts and we're being at the effect of the 11th ball versus really being aligned, you and I, about how we're going to work together as a team to be sovereign about the 11th ball versus at the effect of the 11th ball. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And sort of related to that on the psychological side is a a commitment to this growth-oriented mindset where we are going to embrace the breakdowns as a part of the pathway to expansion and more capacity to hold more, to be more, to have more impact or more of whatever the thing is that you're running after in your life. Right. It's definitely an exercise in expansion for us. This is a huge exercise. And Coco Chanel is our 11th ball right now. She is, as I mentioned, she's a little sister to our two and a half year old fur baby, Biggie Smalls. And the context of this is that, will correct me if this lands on you differently, but I really had a vision for a system that felt like it wasn't totally functioning in the way that it could function. Meaning Biggie's got a lot of needs for attention and contact. I am the person that he defaults to because I mostly work from home. And I felt like there was a way that another being in our system would help balance out needs actually. But it's a long-term view of holding this system that I have a view for, for our family at this house that I knew in the short term was going to be pretty disruptive, chaotic, and uprooting of our system. So after many months of you and I going in and out of conversation about this possibility, we finally aligned about deciding, okay, it feels like now's the time. Here's why. Here's what we're expecting. When we had Biggie as a puppy, I remember back then saying, I'm never going to do a puppy again. Here we are. And understanding that you and I are going to be impacted and we were ready to face the impact and view this as an expansion of our capacity and what we can hold together versus just seeing it as we're going to throw something else in the mix because it might be fun. Right. It fits in with this view that wanting a long-term outcome is usually going to mean short-term pain or short-term difficulty. And I think anybody who's ever set an ambitious goal can relate to that, whether it's 
okay, now I'm going to go back and get that advanced degree, or I'm going to finish college, or I'm going to, like a, a friend of mine is just told me the other day, I'm going to run a half marathon in October. I'm entering the training process. You know, that person's going to, their knees are going to hurt for a little while before they get into shape where they can run a half marathon and feel fine about it. So it's... um. Well, also their system's going to be disrupted. Totally. Yeah, their family is going to, you know, have feel an experience. Yeah. yeah, of the additional training, the additional time commitment on top of everything else. And so the question becomes like, what gets compromised and what doesn't, I think? And also, how can we be more efficient and effective in, in the system? I think for you and I with Coco, it's really helped us see where there's inefficiencies. Totally. It's like we've had to tighten up our game, you know, the gaps and the kind of lapses in attention or spacing out or things that the filler time is now having to be looked at. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Yeah. And so inside of this decision to bring Coco into the family, so she's now four months old, super tiny, high need, which makes sense at her age. And I would say that for you and I, what we've been navigating are our default tendencies inside of what happens for each of us when we're not getting all of our supposed needs met. So I think one of the biggest impacts for us on adding the 11th ball is how do we get everybody's needs met? Would you agree with that? Yeah, it's, it's a different calculus to get everyone's needs met with the 11th ball. Yeah, it's a different equation. It's not the same solution as before. Yeah. The routines are different. The sleep patterns are a little bit different. Fortunately, she's not waking up in the middle of the night, which we're really fortunate for. Mm -hmm. But everything is different. Biggie's needs are not getting met in the same way. And so I think inside the face of these basic needs that we were really in a groove with getting met, when that gets disrupted, I believe that we tend to go into our default tendencies from perhaps our younger age, when we're in our own family system of origin and we're not getting our needs met, what did we default to? Right. And that's the beauty of it, that these latent patterns get exposed or at least amplified. And it's usually an eye perspective that we go into because we weren't really trained as a, as a young being to actually be in more of this more advanced, more conscious we perspective. Right. And by eye perspective, just if you haven't watched previous or heard previous episodes, what we mean is going into your own private Idaho where you have to really make sure that your needs are met and you lose track of everyone else's experience as a subject. You know, everyone around you is having an experience, but you lose that awareness in the eye perspective. And it becomes, I got to get my needs met and my needs are in conflict. At least the perception is that not everybody's going to get their needs met and I better take care of myself. Yeah. And there's like a pulling away from connection. Right. One of the default tendencies I'm tracking with you, Will, in this system is I have a deep fear of what's going to happen if everybody's needs aren't met. And so I go into this over-tracking mode, over-functioning mode, where I'm like, is Will's needs met? Is he okay? Is Coco okay? Is Biggie okay? And I'm not actually really connecting deeply with you. I think I'm doing some sort of surfacey attempt at connection because I'm 
tracking multiple things and feel overwhelmed. Yeah, you're running your strategy from your childhood. Yeah, yeah. Which is less connected than what we're used to in our relationship. And over here, I'm running my default mode or my strategic self, which is a lot more kind of introverted, kind of throw on the backpack and go your own way and take care of yourself and nobody else really exists. <laughs> and my little prep sheet here, I wrote, this is Will's default mode. He pulls away, disengages and goes into his own needs with his backpack. <laughs> <laughs> you got my number. Well, that's, yeah. that's a good start. <laughs> So knowing each other's default strategies is so, so helpful because, I mean, first of all, if you, if you don't see these as childhood strategies, you might think, you might take it personally that the person in front of you is pulling away or, you know, more disconnected, whatever. And you might not realize that this is a stress response that needs help. I totally take it personally. I go into the story of... Will doesn't want to be here. I messed this whole thing up. He's going to be holding resentments, whether he knows them or not. Yeah. Yeah. And I go into, you know, my story about you, you know, my experience is projecting what the layers of experience from my mom onto you of, uh, she's stressed out. She's got too many balls. So she's trying to juggle with the puppy. There's not enough room for me to have needs. So I disconnect from even knowing that I have a need and I go off into some desert, some no man's land of like, I'm just over here being with myself. And um, <laughs> that sometimes it's very numb and dissociated and sometimes it's resentful and, and angry and, you know, upset. But the general feeling is like, yeah. you're overloaded with too much and I can't, come to you to connect with vulnerability because it's going to add one more thing to your plate. So as a kid, my mom was overloaded with too many things. And I felt like the only way I could really help her out was to not put another thing on her plate. Right. And so then when we find ourselves in these default tendencies, on top of that, what happens is that we're having really painful ruptures that seem to come out of nowhere. Like yesterday morning, everything was fine. And then and then like something snapped and I was just like in a totally different energetic and mind space and everything's not okay and you don't know what's going on. And for us, it really heightened in terms of the ruptures that can come quickly and fast and seemingly out of the blue if we're not talking about what's happening. But the beauty of it too is that we got to digest a lot about the process yesterday and we got to learn a lot and we have some new tools moving forward, which is also beautiful and part of why being in a growth mindset with this, this expansion with Coco is so essential for us. Well, I, I want to get into the tools and techniques that have really helped us the most. And because I think that's important here. And should we take a break first? Yeah, we'll take a break and we'll come back with the tools and techniques. We hope you're enjoying this episode. I want to take a quick break to let you know about a gift we created for you and your partner. We compiled our top 10 relationship agreements agreements that have been so powerful in supporting the success of our partnership that we even turned them into our wedding vows. 
These agreements help us stay connected, growing, and thriving as a couple. And they've been critical to help us create a kind of we that's way beyond what we've ever experienced before. You can download this free gift at kristavanderveer.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-A-V-A-N-D-E-R-V-E-E-R.com. Also, if you enjoy our podcast, it would be so meaningful to us if you left us a rating and review. Not only does it help others find us, but it gives us critical feedback on how we're doing. Thanks in advance. And now back to the episode. Welcome back, everyone. Well, let's set up what I think of as the crux move on this rock climb. If you're not a rock climber, the the crux is the hardest move on a particular route. So for me, the crux of this topic that we're talking about, it happens when we're both in our thing from our childhoods, as we talked about before the break. And the question is, who's going to throw a rope across the gap and help the other person out. And I want to just admit that I'm really not good at this yet. I'm working on it really hard. But what can happen is if no one takes action to try to bridge the gap, then there can be a big rupture or a big missed opportunity really to build the muscle of how do we reconnect inside both of us feeling dysregulated or irritated or disconnected. So for me, it's a little hard to describe this, but I think one of the biggest tools is to deeply connect with a feeling of compassion for what it must feel like for you in the moment and what it must have felt like for you to develop this childhood strategy to disconnect from yourself and try to make sure everybody's needs are met kind of at your own expense by subtracting your own needs. So also trying to connect with my own compassion for myself, which is hard for me in that moment. But when I can do that, then the things that happen next are are really magical because there's care in the system that's, that's coming forward. And I throw up air balls pretty much every week, but I made one basket last week and, and <laughs> this an air ball technique. is when you, you throw it and it doesn't make the basket. Yeah. It doesn't hit the backboard or the rim or okay. anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think that when we're juggling the 10 balls, I actually have the experience of you doing that really well. You getting the ball in the hoop, so to speak. I think when the 11th ball is coming in, we're using the balls terminology, it elevates the challenge for sure that we're being asked to show up for. And I just want to say that I actually think that you're really good at it. And we've been tested over the last three weeks <laughs> with this. So, yeah. For me, what really helps is remembering the long-term vision and making sure that I'm not creating a narrative that something is really wrong. And I, because I really was holding this vision with a, a second dog, messed everything up for us. Hmm. And coming from a lens of prioritizing our connection and our strength in the face of these ruptures, I remember yesterday morning feeling the contraction in my system, the negative energy, the negative thinking, and just having to really work the muscle of being like, this is not 
how I want to do things. I want to up-level our consciousness together about how we're doing things. This is not the reason why we brought Coco into the system. The reason was so we can expand and hold more and stay connected and regulated. And for me, it's like lifting weights, really freaking heavy weights. And I love you so much, Will, and I so value and cherish what we have. The last thing that I want to do is stay in my default tendencies and not wake up to a different pattern and opportunity here, like reworking, rewiring the neural pathways so you and I are doing something completely different. Thank you for that commitment to do that. And and I share that. And I think you're bringing up another aspect of what really helps for me is to prioritize and keep prioritizing and holding sacred our connection with each other over any of the other balls that we're holding. And when I feel you doing that with me, then I feel my whole system relaxes and opens because my younger parts are are valid and and cared for, as well as the parts that, you know, can contribute to decreasing the the load. That makes so much sense. It's almost like we really are putting on our face masks first of oxygen. It's like when the plane's going down, it's like the adults are supposed to put theirs on first and then attend to the, the younger ones or the different parts. And it's weird because in my instinct of the dog's whining, Biggie's, you know, acting out because he's not feeling the same kind of attention that he gets. My instinct is to like run around and go try to get everybody to be settled down when what really needs to happen, like you're saying, for me and for you is to turn towards you and to make us the priority, our connection. When you bring your need to me, again, my whole system relaxes because I'm valued and needed in your world. What would be an example of that? Well, for example, saying something like, hey, I'm really struggling here with X, Y, or Z. I need your help with whatever. Versus going into this default mode of, you know, running around and trying to take care of everyone else's needs. And then I don't feel like I have as much of a role or as much value in the partnership because you're not coming to me with that need. You're trying to meet it yourself in a particular way. Right. I'm in my ice space. Mm -hmm. It's so helpful to hear that. Thank you for sharing that. And I know it's not the first time, but to hear it here in a different way, in a different context is helping me understand that opportunity. Thank you. Yeah. And I also need to practice coming to you with whatever need I have in that, in that moment where I'm pretty convinced from a childhood perspective that you've got too much on your plate. There's no room for me and my needs. Um, the tendency is to stop sharing my experience or what happened at work today or whatever, because Chris is overloaded. You know, I need to have the courage to come to you with, with that need and, and present that. And then we deal with whatever we deal with as opposed to just anticipating that, you know, it's too much. Right. And when you share your need with me, I kind of pop out of my foggy haze of my default tendency. So I feel like a couples therapist who were doing some couples packed work, which is awesome. We've talked about Stan Tatkin's packed methodology. Highly recommend it. She was saying to us that there's an opportunity for us to signal to each other more about what's actually happening underneath the layers so we can actually show up for each other. Right rather than hiding intentionally or not, or sub- subconsciously hiding the signals so that our partner is not aware of what's happening for each other. And when you come to me with your need 
I feel so available to show up for it, especially in the face of what we're juggling versus you going away and me being like, why is he going away? And all the stuff I can right. get into. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I think hopefully this conversation is illustrating the point that we said in the beginning, which is that when you're running these scripts from the past, you're you're really missing each other and, and you're really not perceiving the opportunity that's here to repattern the nervous system. And it, it, it goes against our survival instinct to go toward doing something different because what we're doing worked a lot in the past. Right. And I feel like I just want to say in the face of something like a an aging parent or a sick family member, and even this case with Coco, but it's so important for you and I to keep coming back together and making really conscious decisions about how we're handling things as a team versus allowing the situation to infiltrate into our system and then we're at the effect of something outside of ourselves that has us not connected and not working as a team. So bringing it back to all these different life circumstances that can happen, really working to stay sovereign in our decision about how we're handling them. Right. It's it's like taking a bigger stand for us to weave in what we've committed to, the 11th ball. And to not be uh, underneath it, you know, under yes. the wheel. Yeah. And it's really an act of faith in the in the relationship because when you're inside that, you don't, I mean, I remember having Sophie, you know, when Sophie was born, like not knowing how we're going to do this. Mm. And so for the listener out there who's about to take something on or who is deep in it because you maybe feel like you're over your head and the commitment that the 11th ball that you picked up in the context of your partnership, it takes a lot of faith to stand for, we can do this and we're going to do it. And we're not yeah. gonna, we might have, we might fall down a hundred times, but we're going to get this. Right. For the listener, I think there's an invitation here too. I mean, we keep coming back to this in our episodes, but since you and I had this conversation pre Coco, we're like, what are we up to here? In part, we're up to having a more regulated system, we're up to expanding our capacity. For you who's listening, if you have that 11th ball and it's in your system, it's affecting your partnership, you feel out the effect of it, I feel like one of the steps you can make is to go back to your partner and inside of your partnership decide what the opportunity is here and what you guys are growing and expanding into with this 11th ball. And using some of these practices that Will and I are talking about of explicitly having a conversation about how we are managing this, how we're dealing with it, what the opportunity is, and why we're doing it. I think the conversation of what are you up to as a couple is so important. We've talked about this a lot on this show. And I think what we're talking about today is that the 11th ball changes that conversation. It's an expanded, what are you up to? And there's a revision that needs to happen. There's an update. And you know, it's like whether you're having a kid or, you know, you're starting a new project or whatever the thing is, what's the most amazing vision of who you're becoming as a couple with inclusive of the 11th ball, as opposed to let's just um, put our head down and get through this. Mm. Yes. I love that. And then obviously there are probably things that need to happen to, to realize that vision, but 
I just want to encourage everyone out there not to settle for less than what your biggest vision is for your life and what you can live into together. You know, part of human nature is to default to that, oh, I'm, the world is too much, life is too much, the world is too f- or whatever. There's so many problems we could point toward, but it's also human nature to chase after a beautiful vision of what's possible. And so I think part of what we stand for here is to keep choosing the part of human nature that sees expansive possibility and to run after that. Right. And the more you can have your relationship be a source of that growth, mindset, opportunity, and support, the much easier it is to actually realize those things. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you want to reach out to us with any ideas or topics of what you would like to hear us talk about, please contact us through leaving us a review or you can go to our website at kristavanderveer.com and contact us directly through the website. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for joining us. If you found this content valuable, please follow this show and share it with your partner or other key collaborators. If the show sparked an interesting conversation based on these topics, we'd love to hear from you. Find us on Instagram at Art of We Podcast. And we'll see you next time when we explore what it means to be better together like butter and toast on the art of we.